0: The blinding lights make up on low.
1: Nakoto good evening, and welcome in to the Black Fern show on ECNZ. Great to have you back for another week. Remember, we do this every fortnight, but for this week, uh, we will be here in another seven days' time as well. We've got a lot to celebrate. You can hear Rita Aura party playing. She will be playing at Eden Park in. 12 days, yes, the countdown to the Rugby World Cup right here in Aotearoa is just 12 days away. The 8th of October, if you need reminding, a triple header at Eden Park that day. And one of the best musicians in the business, one of the best and biggest pop stars, Rita Ora, will be there playing along with our Black Ferns up against Australia. It is going to be something special indeed. Congratulations are in order first and foremost. The Black Ferns uh, over the weekend, their final hit out before the World Cup. They took on Japan in a friendly at Eden Park and it was a big, big victory. 95-12 to be exact, seven tries on the books for Portia Woodman. If you think, geez, that's a lot. It is. It is a lot. Uh, They don't call her Wonder Woodman for no reason, but that's not her record. She actually scored eight tries against Hong Kong, and the Black Ferns' try-scoring record for the most tries in a single test is nine, and that goes to Vanessa Coates from 1996. So there is a quick stat and fact for you, but we've got so much coming up on the show today. Uh, We catch up with Black Fern's fullback Renee Holmes, former Black Fern and broadcaster Christina So, plus a referee who'll be representing New Zealand at the Rugby World Cup. She's got such a fantastic story. Uh, she was born in Canada, came over to New Zealand when she was 25 to play rugby. Now she will be in the middle as one of two of our referees at the Rugby World Cup. Maggie Kogaor, so many stories to share with you. So much inspiration to be told. Stay with us right here on SENZ on the Blackburn Show.
2: This is the Rugby World Cup preview with Scotty Stevenson. Rugby World Cup on Spark Sport.
1: Well, we're so lucky for our next segment to be talking to Christina. So Blackfern number 191. I'm very lucky to be able to call her a teammate. Uh, She has literally represented New Zealand across uh, three sports, touch uh, rugby and rugby league as well. She's a world champion. She's a mother. She's a broadcaster. She's also a top coach and just a blimmin' good human being. Zoe, great to have you on uh, ECNZ's Blackfern show as one of the legendary Black Ferns yourself. Thank you so much for giving up your time and coming on. How are you today? Uh, kia ora kia. That was a, a fantastic introduction, I must say. I'm a little bit um,
3: overwhelmed with that, but I'm really good. Thank you. Enjoying this. Queen's Birthday, oh sorry, not Birthday Queen's Memorial Day. Um, managed to get some housework done and things around the house, but sounds as though you, Kirst, still working
1: hard. Oh, and thank you so much for giving up your time today on a public holiday um, when you should be with your whanau as well. Well, keep it tight. You're going to be part of the broadcast team for the World Cup coming up on Spark. You're a woman of so many talents. But what did you think about that Black Ferns match against Japan? How much can they take out of that? Um, given the scoreline.
3: That's a good question, Chris. I think, uh, well, any opportunity to play, to get combinations together, to ha- ha- for players to implement, I guess, a game plan and structure that the coaching staff are uh, are wanting to see is is a positive. I don't know if the opposition or that scoreline was a true testament leading into the World Cup if, if they got a lot out of it. Mm. So. Um, but the positive is that they've got video footage, they've got analysis, they'll have GPS stats and all the analysis of the world to be able to break down individual performances from that.
1: For you, who was the standout performer, uh, or was it a whole team that stood out to you?
3: I, I like the, you can sense they're trying to have this new, they're talking about this new attacking shape and you can, you clearly saw that they're yeah. playing an offload game. They're playing up the middle type thing. The pick and goes, um, but standout players for me, I thought Renee Holmes was exceptional. Uh, her kicking off, you know, the tee from on the from almost the sidelines. Um, she showed that she's certainly the number one um, uh, kicker. But not only that, her general play, her ability to be selfless and set people up. She's in the right positions. Wasn't sort of tested on the counter attack as much. But I thought her at the back was she was great uh I thought Luke Connor had a good game um yeah overall the the set piece was was okay was pretty good, um, but like I said, I think I, I enjoyed watching that attacking um Shape that they were trying to implement, that was quite cool.
1: There's been a lot of talk about uh, the addition of our seven sisters. Um, you've been lucky enough to play with these ladies as well. What did you think of the impact that Sarah Hirini, Portia Woodman, and Stacey Flula had to this team over the weekend?
3: Yeah, they're exceptional athletes, aren't they? Yeah, the, well, Portia, what she's called seven of the 16 tries. Uh, she attracts like just is almost the face of Woman's rubber. Her and Sarah Hidden, you got Kendra Coxage for the fifteen, the like game, but everyone knows who Wonder Woodman is and she just showed that athleticism, that talent that she had, and that she has. So, you know, her footwork, her speed, her power. Um, she was outstanding when when Face came on off the bench. I thought, my gosh, like, I, I love her at centre. I love her in the midfield. I know she can play on the edges, but just her footwork, her, her ability to beat players one-on-one, and then you see the offload. Um, Gossie's the player that um, stands up in big games. She's the, obviously the leader of our Blackfin Sevens, but she did her core cool role as well. She executed that well. I mean, some may talk about size if she's got that, that you know, that, that power as a ball carrier, but I think smart enough to be utilised as a as a pivot player or as someone that will get around and do the grunt work and, and clean out bodies and, and all the rest of it as well. So yeah, the Seven Sisters have certainly added that that addition to the Blackburn side and given that, that extra punch.
1: That's crazy right because these three are exceptional athletes but we've seen so many exceptionally talented players uh, pull on this Black Ferns jersey and it seems like that anyone that was named in the squad can go out there and do the job so how tough is it going to be selecting a starting 15 every week? Do you reckon they know who their starting 15 is?
3: I think there was an interview with Wayne Smith prior, and they and they didn't know the the starting um, the fifteen. But I think from that performance and and the games, the five games prior that they've played. They'll probably have a fair idea. The question is who's the back three, right? we yeah. got Ice, who was Leti Inga who was left off but probably the most informed winger but you've got Ruby Tui, now yeah. Portia Woodman you've got Renee Whitcliffe Renee Holmes uh, so the back three will be interesting um, even the, the the props we know Pip Love and Amy Rule are solid but you've got a Crystal Murray still to come into the mix, and Tanya Kulinavale So um, I think that'll be where it's in contention as the the wingers, and perhaps that that front row, the the starting props.
1: It is so exciting, isn't it? We're just 12 days away from the World Cup starting and you can get tickets from blackferns.com as well. Go and get them right now if you don't have tickets because you need to see the best female rugby players in the world in Aotearoa right here. Before we let you go, though, Sue, you are going to be working on Spark Sports coverage. You worked on the men's coverage in 2019. What's it going to be like for you? How are you feeling ahead of the Women's uh, World Cup here in New Zealand? Oh, mate, look, I'm pumped from, from the weekend,
3: right, being at Eden Park and, and working on the double header there. But with Spark for I am a part of the – I'm very fortunate and great, grateful to be part of the, the team covering all – Twenty-six games uh, for Spark Sport that we can that you can actually purchase. Uh, it's, they're triple headers so unlike the men's, it was some games throughout the week. So um, knowing that I've I've sort of come back to Manukura and teach and coach <laughs> midweek, but weekends are going to be full noise for six week uh, weekends. But I'm pumped, I'm excited. It's a grateful position to be in.
1: It's so cool. We can't wait to see you gracing our TV screens. You do such a fantastic job. So we thank you so much for coming on our program, um, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.
3: Sure, thank you. Thanks a lot for having me.
1: That was your Rugby World Cup preview with Scotty Stevenson.
2: Every moment of every match. Catch the Rugby World Cup, live and on demand on SparkSport.
1: You're listening to The Black Fern Show on SENZ. Let's dare to believe like a black fern. You would have heard that slogan. We're less than two weeks out from the World Cup kicking off right here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And I'm so excited for our next interview. She's a current black fern. Renee Holmes, she calls herself a hearty nāti and that's because she hails from Gisborne. (laughs) Nati Puro. she's represented our country in four different codes. We'll hear more about that shortly. Uh, But as I mentioned, she's currently with the black ferns as they prepare for our first ever Home World Cup starting on the 8th of October. Renee, welcome into the programme. Thank you so much for your time because I know you're between gym sessions and lunch uh, and it's all very busy for you all at the moment. How are you? How does it feel knowing that you're just a few weeks away now? Kia ora everybody.
0: Um, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to, to be um, tuning in and talking, talking today. Um, yeah, I think it's a very, very surreal and crazy feeling to know that in two weeks' time, you know, um, this World, uh, World Cup's going to be kicking off here in Aotearoa. and obviously we had a we had a game on the weekend, a warm up game, um, and a little bit of a taster of Eden Park. So that was actually really exciting, and I think really really cool to um you know kind of settle, I, I guess those nerves around you know playing at, playing at Eden Park mm. and having a home crowd. Um, so I think that was like one of the best things for us um getting into this World Cup was getting that taster.
1: For you, was that your first uh, time playing a match at Eden Park? Uh, That actually was my third, but that's my first ever in the black
0: jersey, so that was really exciting.
1: I just wanted to touch um, more on the crowd and the atmosphere. Obviously, the game was unbelievable. Like, I've talked to so many people over the last couple of days, and they were like, that was better and more entertaining than the All Blacks game. And it was so many tries. (laughs) The way you girls are playing at the moment is just so good to watch. But after the match, there were so many people um, that were wanting autographs, that were wanting selfies um, from you. What was that like for you? And can you tell us about that little note that was um, that was handed over from? Was it Ava, one of the young fans in the crowd? Yes. The atmosphere on on Saturday night was unreal. That just to know
0: that all of those people were there to support us yeah. um, was actually like a really you know that really cool feeling. I genuinely felt like a superstar. Like I was like, oh my god, all these people are wanting my autograph, wanting <laughs> photos of me. Like these are you know this is what that's a big, like, they're part of my big why, like, I might not know them, but, you know, um, I, I always aspire to, you know, um, try and inspire the next generation, so getting young boys, getting young, you know, females, young girls, um, wanting wanting autographs and photos, it's just, it, it fills the cup, and that's what, I, you know, like, ending, a finishing, you know, the final whistle of the test match to then walking off and seeing everybody just going crazy and... That was, that was real special and obviously getting that really, really special note from Ava, um, around her obviously wanting to be a blackpin one day, but obviously acknowledging that really cool ad that's been going around, like, yeah. like hashtag like a blackpin. So that was really, really cool and I think something I'm definitely going to hold on to that note forever, so.
1: That's something special. That is so awesome and you are all inspiring this nation right now. Um, I wanted to talk more about your story, your journey. I called you a hearty Nati at the top. Explain <laughs> to us for those that may not know, by the way, we're probably cousins as well, both being from Nachapuro, but we'll yeah. work that out off here. What does it mean to you to be a hearty Nati and how was it growing up in, in the East Coast? Yeah,
0: it's um it's a real special way, you know, the coast we're, we're a small community, um, yeah. You know, everyone's pretty much related. So, <laughs> <laughs> like you said, so we all kind of, um, you know, all, all, all get around each other. And and I think for me, um, there's obviously there's a couple of us this year, and there's obviously Charmy as well, all from the coast. Um, it just, you know, coming from such a small place and being able to show, you know, those those young those young athletes or young children that you can dream big because obviously it's hard getting out of you know real remote more areas. Um and, and I did, you know, we struggled growing up, um, having to travel three and a half hours one way to one way to things and stuff. But um just being able to I guess show people that you can do it and um that it's something real special coming from the coast. I, I love my moldy side and I love, you know, um I'm proud I'm proud to come from come from up those ways. So um and that's actually why I had a light blue bit of ribbon in my hair on the weekend was for Ngāti Piro so That was something
1: pretty cool. That's something that people probably don't understand, right, is the remoteness being (laughs) up the coast. You mentioned that you had to travel three or four hours just to get to trainings and to games sometimes. Um, Tell us, was that your dad? Is he your number one? Is Mm -hmm. he the man that's just given up (laughs) so much for you to be able to live this dream? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep, that's dad. Um, And I
0: think he's still still here with me so. um, every day turning awesome. up to every match, dressing up for every match, um, <laughs> but yeah, look, looking back at it, obviously at that time i wasn 't really driving and and whatnot, so i didn 't really know how much it, and how much it actually would like take out of you until I started driving and yeah. man i couldn 't believe when I started driving out of town and stuff like, oh my gosh, like Dad used to do like four four hours one way, um, you know almost three times a week for me and some you know back then I'd be questioning like man why do we only have noodles for dinner like but then now actually understanding everything like and um, so it's quite crazy to you know look back at that and see how much he actually you know he's he's the reason why I'm here so I'm grateful as for that
1: your dad must it's be so, someone like him your, he must be so proud of you not only representing the black ferns and pulling on that silver fern but you've represented New Zealand across other codes as well can you tell us a little bit more about that what first of all what you've represented New Zealand in because <laughs> you are so talented
0: <laughs> yeah so I was actually um I don't know I just yeah I just love playing I love playing everything growing up as as you do and um, we started off at um, Taekwondo, so I started fighting and me and my sister got to a yeah, national, national level of that and we, we we stopped fighting. I stopped fighting when I was about 13, 14, but um, had a couple national titles to my name which was pretty cool and I think martial arts was a bit fundament- fundamental in, um the platform that was set for me in terms of discipline and everything yeah. um, growing up, so that was pretty cool. And then um, I went on into aspiring to be a football fern. So I played yeah, soccer my whole life um, right up until the end of high school and I actually moved away to Auckland during high school in year 11 to make the New Zealand 17 side So that was, that was huge and looking back at it now, I think that was an experience that um, I'm really grateful for as I learned so much being away from home and moving away quite young. Um, and then I actually went to a Frisbee World Cup, um, under 20 Frisbee World Cup. So that was over in Poland and I just picked that up during school and they, I guess they saw potential in me and, and I got to actually represent New Zealand in the under-20s Ultimate Frisbee team and now I'm here with the black fans. So wow. pretty pretty cool.
1: <laughs> it's the most amazing journey. Um, So so tell us then, how did rugby come into the picture? Where did that start?
0: Yeah, so I decided that um, year 12 at high school actually. I did I did actually play like a little 7 tournament at intermediate but to be fair honestly I played everything at intermediate so <laughs> I didn't actually look into it further but then um yeah year 12 of high school I I came I actually it was it was pretty like a dumb way to um in my like soccer kind of soccer career obviously that was my um goals and aspirations but um I just obviously got told I tried playing in the men's league and I did everything that they had told me to do um and then so I went away, done all that, and then came back, and they unfortunately said a girl playing in their league will ruin the culture of the sport. So that was actually like that. I kind of was really bummed out about, you know, this is my community. They're so yeah. not wanting me to get, you know, better, and like, and I, I couldn't get better if I just stayed playing, doing what I was normally doing. Um, I needed more after experiencing the under seventeen side. Um, so one day I literally sat on a bus with an old school friend. And she was like, hey do you want to come down to the semi-training? And I just, I don't know, I just didn't, even you know, if you can guess it, I was just like, yeah, sure thing. Like, And then ever since then, I haven't looked back and um, yeah, it's been the best, best thing that ever could have happened to me.
1: <laughs> it is so amazing. Um, after high school, mm-hmm. you moved to Hamilton to go to university there and study a bachelor. Um, you started playing for Waikato at halfback, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was, um, I actually went, I tried playing 10 and then, we played, I played ten for a couple of games and then our, our nines went um, walkabouts and then <laughs> I ended up at nine. <laughs> Don't
1: know how. <laughs> That's crazy. What was the transition like going from halfback, first five to fullback? Um, were, were there similarities? Were there new skills that you had to learn? And what was it, well, being a footballer? I guess fullback probably suited um, your skill mm. set. Yeah, it was
0: actually James um, to actually Simple who. Who actually, like, I guess made the big change in position for me. Um, yeah. he, he obviously saw what I could do with my boot and I guess my, um, my vision. Um, I think that, that comes obviously from football as well. Like I've always had, like, learned to have obviously eyes up and, and whatnot. So I've always been able to kind of identify space. So I think you saw that in me and, um, yeah, I think all those kind of skills for nine, I've played 12, um, have transferred into, you know, Playing in the back and it's cool to it's cool that I've played those positions because I now know you know what what they have to go through and what the nines need from me and you know it's it's, it's pretty awesome.
1: I want to uh, fast forward to um, your call-up to um, the international arena. First, your debut for New Zealand against the Barbarians at home here. And then if you Mm. look forward a year, you got to make your international debut and probably the biggest Black Ferns test in history because it was their 100th test match. (laughs) What were those two experiences like for you? Yeah, well, first of all,
0: um, when I actually got, Got told I was going to be playing in that Possibles Probables match. I was yeah. kind of like, "Oh wow!" Like that was actually like, "Wow, maybe this is like a you know foot in the door um, potentially." And then all of a sudden, when you know we had to sit in after that match, we had to sit in a room full of um, you know fifty, sixty girls, and the two squads were getting called out for the blackburns and nz barbados. Bar. I can I, I really didn't, didn't expect it at all. Um, I was kind of sitting there, and girls' names were getting called out, and I was kind of like oh yeah, cool, that, those are all the girls that are, you know, you're named in the Black Ferns like fingers, toes crossed to be named <laughs> in a barber because there were actually a couple of girls that were going going to be sent home Yeah. so I was just hoping I wasn't one of one of those girls and then um, it, I heard my name and it was all a blur, like I just remember looking forward and everyone was staring at me and started patting me on the back and then I just remember tears because I just was so in shock that my name had just been called out and, yeah. in the Black Fern squad Um. And that was something i'd I i had not you know you i know, um, I didn't think would come that soon um, so that was pretty special and then obviously getting the call last year saying I was gonna be going on the northern northern tour that was that was um obviously tears again yeah. butterflies in my stomach I didn't even know how to contain how I was feeling, and I didn't think that call was real either and then. Obviously, getting um, named to start in the <laughs> Black Friends and Hunters test match, yeah. man, it was it was a it was a cool feeling. I real I felt real ready though. Um, I didn't really have too many nerves going into it because um, I felt like I had you know done what I needed to do and I prepped well and um, I was where I was meant to be. So mm-hmm. uh, I was really I was in a really content space. And then yeah, obviously got to got to play in that match which was um, obviously super
1: hard but so many learnings that um, probably was one of the best ways to start off my career probably it is so cool sharing some of these massive career moments mm-hmm. with you right here on SENZ. Um, another one, this year for the first time New Zealand Rugby announced that there'd be 29 contracted Black Ferns, which means for the first time our Black Ferns are yeah. professional athletes. So how much did your world change this year being paid to play this game you love? Yeah, it, it actually
0: changed like quite drastically to be fair. Um, you know, uh, we're working a eight-to-three job, which, yeah. you know, I had to keep telling people, yeah, I'm going to work now. And they're like, oh, where do you work? And I'm like, oh, at SMG Stadium. like, you know, I'm getting, you know, paid to train and do the things I love. So it's hard to, like, wrap your head around that it actually works because that's your, um, you know, that's your dream, that's your passion. And so uh, waking up every day and doing something you love, man, how lucky are we? Um so I think I was very, very grateful to be a part of that special group and I hope, you know, moving forward we're just building a really big legacy into um, how beautiful and how get in New Zealand.
1: Oh, it is, you're building the most unbelievable legacy and that legacy is going to continue in a couple of weeks because for the first time ever we have a Women's World Cup right here Um, being named, (laughs) being called, uh, maybe by Alan Bunting or maybe by someone else to say you are part of this Women's World Cup side. Um, What was that moment like? How were you feeling? Who did you tell? Yeah, so it was actually
0: funny. I got the call and I was actually at the gym, like we were at work. So (laughs) when... When was, uh, I actually had Wes because he's my study leader so um, when his name kind of came off my phone I was like, oh no, like, oh, this is going to be, you know, obviously one yeah. way or the other so I was, a bit, I was a bit nervous to pick that all up but um, I think, you know, the first thing that came out of his mouth was um, congratulations, you're going you're going to the World Cup wow. and I just couldn't believe it. Like, that, those words, um, yeah, I, I guess still, it still feels so surreal um, and Obviously, called my dad straight away, and then, um, dad doesn't cry like I've only seen my dad cry twice, so To see him, um, tearing up on the phone on the other end
1: was, um, pretty special sure when I know how much. Um,
0: this means for him just as much as me, so that was pretty special.
1: So so cool. Thank you so much for sharing all your stories. I've got just one more for you before we let you go back to the yeah. gym or, or the training field. Have you fangilled yeah, anyone no, in the Black ferns environment, or maybe just anyone in the rugby environment since you've come in in the last few years?
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think. Um, well, even coming onto end of year tour last year, you know, when when my name when my name popped up against, you know, obviously next to bloody legends. Like, you know, my name came under like Portia Woodman and Stacey Walker back then and um I've I've obviously been watching them um for the last like what, eight years now since it's been over, seven years. So just seeing that I was gonna be, you know, training alongside those those um girls for the for for those weeks in that and potentially getting to play alongside them. So when I got named obviously at the back three with Porsche Woodman, I was just like, No way, this is like a you know, a dream come true. Like I would never have thought I would, you know, be in that in that kind of time frame, getting, getting the chances to play with Porsche Woodman. So yeah, it's quite crazy and then at the moment, um, getting mentored, like we've got i I've got I'm getting mentored by Ben Smith. Like wow. in my wildest dreams I never thought would happen and, you know, um Having, having someone like him, you know, taking up coaching now and he's obviously such a legend and him giving his time for me for this World Cup campaign has meant, is meaning a lot and I can't wait to like keep, keep exploring more with him. So it's that's
1: something pretty exciting oh my gosh oh that's that is unreal it is so (laughs) unreal but you know what you talk about these legendary players but your name is now in with these and (laughs) and you're doing such a phenomenal job and you're representing our country so well thank you so much for your time Renee we wish you all the very best over the coming months we can't wait to support you all no, oh, thank you so much for having me. I truly love this. <laughs> thank you. And just keep soaking it all up. These are the times of your life, eh? That's what they always say. Yeah. Heck yeah. That was Renee Holmes, absolute superstar. For ticket info for the World Cup, head to blackferns.com and catch all the action for this season. Welcome back to the Black Fern show on SENZ. It is great to have you with us. Don't forget, let's dare to believe like a Black Fern. For ticket information, head to blackferns.com and catch all the action for this season. We're just 12 days away from the World Cup kicking off in New Zealand and someone that is going to be right in the mix. We're so lucky to be joined by one of New Zealand's top referees, Maggie Kogaor. She's been selected as one of two Kiwis uh, to represent us at the World Cup. It'll be her World world cup debut she's come a long way i read a story that she used to play gridiron in canada so i cannot wait to talk to her about her journey maggie thank you so much for giving up your time we know how busy all of you are uh, so we appreciate you coming on the program how are you how are you doing today after another hectic weekend
2: yeah i'm doing good we just um all the referees who are arriving for the world cup are just all moving into our accommodation today so Uh, Feels a bit weird, obviously, because I also live in Auckland, so I just drove my own car from my house to the accommodation, so maybe a little bit of a different experience than the others coming from Europe, but yeah, still feels a bit first day of school vibes. very exciting. Oh,
1: that is so cool. Well, let's jump straight into it then and talk about the World Cup. What was it like when you found out you will be representing New Zealand at the World Cup? Because I suppose, um, just like for players representing New Zealand, this would be a dream come true for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's a particularly, probably, you know, meaningful and something that I'm so grateful for after, um, you know, the two years of COVID, where we were sort of, um, and don't get me wrong, New Zealand rugby did a great job at trying to maintain our domestic competitions, but you know, being sort of in our little bubble down here and not being able to get over to the Six Nations or sort of get over to some of the opportunities that World Rugby normally used to sort of um, have a look at referees. Uh, t- to be honest, I think I had sort of just settled that it was probably just not in the cards this year and I was just gonna have to wait until 2025 um so yeah to sort of get the call up was yeah just a a moment that I sort of still feels a bit surreal even though we're yeah kind of five months since that happened to be fair
1: it is so amazing um to see a couple of Kiwis there yourself and Lauren Jenner Uh, but tell us where did it all start for you when did you know I want to be a referee
2: Oh, that's pretty pretty tough. To be fair, um, so I sort of started playing rugby uh, when I was thirteen, which is at the start of high school. So back in Canada, obviously. Yeah. So hence the uh, funny accent. So I'm obviously not actually originally from here. Um, although to be fair, a lot of Canadians now don't think i sound Canadian anymore. So I think <laughs> I've just fallen into a bit of a grey area. Um, so yeah, I had started playing rugby. Um, and obviously, again, it's not a mainstream sport at all at home, and so. it's very much you start playing and and no one has any idea of any of the rules uh, other than basically run backwards you know sorry run forwards pass backwards (laughs) that's sort of the extent and so I started playing and just found it a bit frustrating to sort of be penalized for things and not really understand what was going on so I uh, being a sort of bullshy teenage girl I decided that I'd, I'd rectify that by going and doing a referee course to sort of figure out what everything was what was going on so I I did that um yeah at the beginning of high school and then uh sort of just carried on a little bit of reffing while I was still playing so I was very fortunate um back in Canada to play sort of eighth grade provincial um, and then get a scholarship to play at McMaster University and sort of carry on with my playing um and just sort of did reffing as a bit a bit of a side gig to make some pocket money as a broke uni student um and I always enjoyed it, to be fair, and, and had sort of a bit of potential there, but was still committed to being a player at the time. So sort of made like a, a bit of a, a not, not a secret, but I guess I didn't really tell anyone other than myself that I thought, oh, I'll play until I'm 25. And if I'm, you know, at, at 25, if I'm not sort of in the, the national senior national team and looking at World Cups and stuff, then I'll give this reffing thing kind of a proper crack. Um, little did I know at the time that, you know, I was going to end up in New Zealand, so yeah. that sort of. my hampered my World Cup dream a little bit. Um, And, yeah, so sort of finished, ended up coming to New Zealand, playing some club rugby at Qualled Rifles um, amongst a great group of girls, you know, several of whom are now, they are going to the World Cup as black friends. Um, And, yeah, we won the sort of premier women's competition the year I turned 25, and I thought, you know, that's probably a good place to get off the bus and give something else sort of a a big crack. So, yeah, sort of how that happened.
1: What brought you to New Zealand in the first place? Was it rugby that brought you here?
2: Uh, yeah, probably indirectly. So I finished up playing rugby at university. Um, so did my undergraduate degree and knew I wanted to be a teacher. So knew I sort of had to do a year of teacher's college um, and found out that I could do the year in New Zealand. So I thought, oh, this is perfect. I really want to go to New Zealand to play rugby anyway, um, but I want to go for a whole season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I ended up down in Christchurch at Can- uh, the University of Canterbury to do my teaching degree um, and played a year down there. And then I, I got a job up here, actually. So yeah,
1: sort of half rugby, half school, I guess. You have the most interesting background. Um, so there's so many things that I want to ask you. Being Canadian, obviously we know in America that basketball, baseball, gridiron are the big sports over there. So did you grow up playing gridiron?
2: Yeah. So again, another uh, another sport that I sort of fell into a little bit, um, so turned up to my Sort of, I played. So girls, mostly girls, don't play sort of the contact version of it. They play a lot of like flag football, which you know, sort of like
0: yeah.
2: like tag rugby, basically, but football instead. Um, and I played a bit of that when I was younger, and then I turned up to high school, and I honestly, like, I don't even know why. I just, I think, I must have seen that the football tryouts were on, and I thought, oh, I'll give that, I'll give that a hoon, you know, not not thinking like, oh, it'll be a big deal. I'll be the only girl, da 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 da. Um, and yeah, so I ended up playing. Uh, football sort of all through high school Um, and then that actually indirectly the the lady who coached our rugby team sort of spotted me at that and was like oh you're going to come play rugby for me and I was like I don't even know what that is but sure like sounds good um, and so, yeah, that's sort of actually, even though I loved, I loved it, um, it kind of led me to rugby indirectly.
1: So cool. It is so, so cool. If we um, continue moving forward to when you came to New Zealand, um, you decided you really wanted to give refereeing a crack. What's the pathway like in New Zealand for referees and, and female referees? Is it a professional pathway like it is uh, for our players? You know, how, how do you, how do you get, move through the ranks, if you will, for someone that wanted to do what you're doing?
2: Yeah, I think um, it's certainly there is uh, professional opportunities in it. It's probably a little bit more limited um, than a playing one at this point anyway, just just surely based on numbers. So um, right now there's there's five professional referees in New Zealand who that's, you know, their full-time job. They're employed by New Zealand rugby to do that. Yeah. Um, so at, at this exact point, there's probably not a, a massive amount of opportunities in terms of making it your full-time job, but in terms of being able to, you know, make some money off it and get to travel and get to do things like that. There's, there is certainly a massive opportunity. Um, And the first step, really the good, the good part about it is that it's incredibly easy to access it. It's just, you know, a matter of going to your local association um, and expressing your interest. Um, Almost every association in the country has some connection to the national squad now in terms of they've got, you know, members who are in our sort of top elite setup who are more than happy to help people and give them support as well as, you know, Coaches and older referees who have been there for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years for some of them yeah. um, who are also, you know, really willing to it and, and really encouraging of others, I think. So that that's the good part about it is uh, the first step is to just sort of turn up and give it a crack um, and start progressing sort of locally. And then, yeah, particularly for females, I think the opportunity is, is massive in terms of um, New Zealand rugby has made it a really clear priority that they want to see more women involved in officiating. Yeah. Um, so anyone really who's coming and in, in expressing interest and in really wanting to improve and wanting to get better is, is going to have a very sort of clear set of opportunities put out in front of them. So it's, it's super exciting, I think, at this point.
1: I feel like referees don't get the recognition they deserve. You know, without you, the game literally couldn't be played. Um, But on (laughs) Friday, you got to be part of the first ever um, capping ceremony for New Zealand. So congratulations. That must have been a really special moment for you, uh, for your family to be part of this wider team. What is the most rewarding thing about being a referee now that you know both sides from player and ref.
2: Yeah, I think the, the most rewarding part about being a referee, it, it, it's not the exact same as being a player because, yes. yeah, the experience is very different in the sense that you are sort of by yourself out on the field. There's yes. not sort of 14 of your teammates to get around you. Um, but I think that the wider sort of fraternity, sorority of referees is, is very unique because um, you can go to any association, you can go, you know, and that's. I've now gotten the opportunity to go to Wales, to go to Northern Ireland, to go to Japan, to go to all these places and meet with those referees and just instantly be welcomed and instantly be sort of included in there. And I think that's sort of the best part about it is because even though, you know, there can be some sort of controversial moments around it, and even though it's not always smooth sailing, um, anytime you meet other referees or you go anywhere, there's an immediate sort of bond and an immediate sort of desire to, to include you and make you feel really welcome, which... Um, again, I, th- I think probably to be fair is, is is the general value of rugby. I mean, I, I always felt that way as a player as well that you could go to any rugby club and you'd be welcomed as well. So I think that sort of um, you know far now and sort of wider group vibe certainly extends to referees.
1: You mentioned all of these places around the world that uh, refereeing has taken you. Um, talk to us firstly about um, your international debut as a referee. What was that like? How did you feel? Who who were the two teams?
2: Yeah, so I got to make my international debut this year, actually. So at the Women's Six Nations, so um, I had a Friday. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Talk about what what a way to make your debut. Um, So yeah, the two teams. It was a Friday night game in Cardiff, and the two teams were Wales against France. Um, And again, it was just it was such a an an epic experience. I know people probably overuse that word now, but honestly, it was just um, the Six Nations is probably one of the most established women's global rugby competitions. Um, in terms of the the countries really get behind it, um, so it was at Carter Farms Park, which is the sort of um, slightly smaller stadium just outside Millennium, and they had sort of packed out all one side. I mean, there would have been four or five thousand people there, and they're a very, I would say, Northern Hemisphere fans are a very different type of fan than a Kiwi fan. So, four or five thousand Welsh people probably felt like about ten thousand Kiwis, <laughs> to be totally honest. They're uh, they're loud and rambunctious, and they they love to get behind their team. So. It was just, I mean, the experience of standing there, and I was so fortunate my parents got to come to Canada cool. to watch, um, and my partner's parents who live in England, they came down to watch as well, so it was just, um, yeah, a moment that, you know, I'll never probably forget. So amazing. Um, I know that your time is precious,
1: so we won't keep you much longer, but um, when you reflect on everything that you've been able to do so far, you um, refereeing Super Rugby Opeki for the first time, uh, being asked to go to the Six Nations, the World Cup coming up. What do you think? I mean, do you pinch yourself that this is where you are right now?
2: Oh, I think that, that's the exact, I was just about to say, so like when you list it like that, it's just surreal. And I think, um, and again, I, I, I don't sort of, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but sometimes I think particularly because I come from a non-rugby country, yeah. I come with sort of a like, I just, love it like they just and it's sometimes I just can't believe that I get to do this but like someone from you know Markham Ontario where like two out of every 10 people you asked would even know what rugby is now get to be uh, at a World Cup and in and, and New Zealand and, and sort of in and amongst some of the some of the best rugby in the world and even you know um, I was really fortunate a couple of weeks ago to ref um, a Heartland game between Warrarapa Bush and South Canterbury and to be in amongst that is heartland rugby you know the ethos of community rugby in new zealand um and to be in and amongst that again it's just sometimes like i just can't can't believe it but yeah i think it's one of those things where you just keep saying yes to things you just keep saying yeah yeah i'll give that a go yeah okay yeah i'll go to that oh yeah i'll go to that um and keep sort of trying to get better and keep trying to make sure that you're always improving um and it's just sort of crazy where you can end up I think
1: well you deserve it all you are amazing at what you do thank you so much for coming on our program Maggie and sharing a part of your story we can't wait to see you in action over the next couple of months as well you're now an official Kiwi aren't you
2: I think so. I think, yeah, you're going to have problem getting rid of me now. we we'll totally
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Maggie. It was amazing being able to talk to you. And I know that you are going to inspire so many to pick up the whistle and do what you're doing as well. Awesome. Thanks. Well, that is us for another week right here on the Black Fern Show. I just want to say once again, uh, thank you so much to all of our guests for coming on our program. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our interviews. Christina so coming on, a Spark Sport broadcaster, talking about some of the selection issues facing the coaches just two weeks out, the back three is a big one how do you fit all of these superstars into the team Renee Holmes is one of those superstars Uh, she was absolutely awesome she's played uh, she's represented New Zealand I should say at four different sports Taekwondo she went to a Frisbee World Cup played football for New Zealand under 17s and now she's representing New Zealand at rugby it's a great story her father gave up so much and now she is paying it back in spades watch this girl because she's a superstar so is Maggie Cog or our referee who grew up playing gridiron in Canada they all have a amazing stories. Now she's one of the best referees in the game in the world. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you back here next Monday.